Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. Broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today, we're going to be talking about shamanism or shamanism. And I'm about to ask our guests, Victoria and Kent Young, is it shaman or shaman? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. Our children would say shamanism. We pronounce it shamanism. So tomato, tomato. Ah, okay, gotcha. I thought Tristan was trying to play a cruel trick on me when he was explaining all this stuff that we were going to talk about. So I'm glad you clarified that for me. Well, in England, we called it a shaman. So when you say like shaman, it just sounds like a really posh shaman. Shaman. So so now I'm posh. That's, yes. I'll add that to your list of adjectives that you use to describe me. Right. So Vic, Kent, lovely to have you on the episode. I know the normal approach to when we have guests on is we kind of understand a little bit of the normal backstory of life and how somebody went down a particular path. But shamanism isn't one of those kind of normal things. So can you write up until that day you embarked on that journey kind of give us a little bit about your backgrounds because I know it wasn't the kind of standard path that most people might think would lead to this yeah you bet and thanks so much we're thrilled to be here with you guys it's a kind of a wild ride how we ended up here um you know starting out in corporate America both of us and and Kent still is in corporate America for me it was you know, I have always, since I was little, been drawn to nature. And there were just things throughout my life, just signs and things that happen now that I look back that all kind of led me to this place. So, for example, um, when I was 15, I was part of a just an extraordinary experience. We grew up in Michigan, and I had the opportunity to take a three-week trip with 36 other students out west through the mountains of Colorado and the canyons of Arizona, the Grand Canyon, and just experience nature and and being a part of it all and immersed in it to a whole new level. And it was during that trip, we were actually in the northeast part of Arizona at at what's now a national monument, um, Canyon de Chez, and we were all just kind of experiencing it and learning about, you know, the history, and everybody got really quiet, and I promise you, I heard the whispers of the ancestors in the wind and it was life-changing for me at 15 and not something you really go around talking about but it was an extraordinary experience for me so that happened at 15 and then um, Kent and I actually met in college at Michigan State go Spartans (laughs) and we were we had one day where well why don't you tell a story yeah I was just I was extremely stressed. I can't even remember what it was that I was so stressed about, but I had gone down to Victoria's room and I was laying on the ground and she had put her hand over my heart and, and kind of in the middle of my chest and was rubbing and just trying to take my pain away. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I see and feel this massive tornado this green and gray tornado that was pixelized that just came out of my chest. And Victoria felt the exact same thing. We, I opened my eyes 
And I look at her and we're like, what the, <laughs> what was that? I promise we were not drinking, nothing. Like <laughs> it was the middle of the day. We were, we could not figure out what happened. So then fast forward from that up to our corporate jobs. And, you know, we graduated from Michigan State. We moved out to Colorado. We and, moved, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I think we started to, we, even though something miraculous happened and we knew something miraculous happened that day, we never really looked into it. And before you know it, all of a sudden we have children and life has changed. It was probably around 2014, 2015, where we really started to dive into all this learning and all these books related to, yeah, exactly. And and it was about meditation and it started out 10% happier was the first book that, that we had really gotten into. And, and then all of a sudden we went to peaceful warrior and the code of the extraordinary mind and then reinvent the body, resurrect your soul. And, and it kind of started too with the secret, remember yeah, the law of attraction. Yep. We were, you know, getting into all that. Yeah. But that's what really allowed us to start thinking about things way beyond us. We had, we had done a church search and we were trying to figure out what the right religion was. And we're, we're both Christians and love our faith, but we also realized that there was more based on everything that we had been researching. And that's what ended up bringing us to where Victoria was invited to join a, what's called a wheel, the medicine, the medicine wheel. And, and that's where, where you pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about 2015. I think a dear friend of ours had invited me to, to take this shamanic journey with her and go through the medicine wheel. It's about a year and a half program. And, and when she first approached me with it, I didn't know anything about shamanism. And therefore, I was fearful. I wasn't sure how that would relate to my religion. I didn't want, you know, any sort of blasphemy or anything there. And I wanted to honor my God and just really wasn't sure what that entailed. So it took me about another two or three years of researching and really learning um, before I decided I was ready. And then the coolest thing happened because once I made that decision, then Kent decided he was going to join me. So why don't you tell him where you were coming from there? Yeah, I think I had finally listened to Deepak Chopra's Reinvent the Body, Resurrect the Soul. And I really had thought back to uh, her father, who I greatly respect, had, had told us a long time ago that you're going to grow and you're going to change. And you have to make a decision on if you're going to grow together or apart. And I thought that the going down the shaman route, and she had already, you know, looked at Reiki and everything from that perspective, which I love the energy work. I just hadn't practiced it. But I realized at that point that I should probably go on the journey with her so that I can understand. And I'm so blessed and grateful that I did because I wouldn't have been able to comprehend what she had gone through with all of her training. And the transformation that occurred for both yeah. of us, the yep. evolution, everything. So that's kind of how we ended up. So Kent is, um, Kent, like I said, he's still in corporate America, doing his amazing thing. He's a he's a leader, a transformation change leader there, and and he also is is beginning to coach clients who are getting into this line of work, and he's phenomenal at that. And I have. Um, developed my own practice of healing and meditation teaching. So, which she is phenomenal. Oh, honey, thank you. <laughs> but that's where we're at. Wow. So, what would you describe 
shamanism as to anybody listening because obviously you know you just told us you know the history of your journey to it but shamanism may encompass a bunch of things which at this point in time you don't necessarily deal with and there may be some things you do which are outside of you know what would traditionally be described as shamanism so you know if you had to kind of give a bullet point explanation of what a shaman is what would you say yeah great question um so just a basic overview shamanism is the oldest spiritual practice known to humankind it is believed to date back a hundred thousand years or more and it was practiced around the world the term shaman actually is a Tungus tribe. It's from a Tungus tribe in Siberia, and it literally translates to either one who sees in the dark or healer. So just depending on how you look at that translation. It is a powerful practice of healing. It is a way of life, and it's based in a connection to nature and to spirit, so to all it is. And there are many, many different shamanic healing modalities. Again, based in that connection to nature and to spirit, you've got journeying, soul retrievals, heavy energy clearing, spirit flights, illuminations, plant medicine, ceremony. There are so many aspects to shamanism. If you go to, so we are actually trained in the Peruvian shaman tradition. And um, if you learn from a true Peruvian shaman, I mean, they've been doing this their entire life. So it is, it's extraordinary. So, I mean, there's obviously got to be an automatic pushback from some areas because like here in the Western world, you know, between a mix of, I guess, of skeptics and some evangelical Christian, you know, reactions, bringing up something like shamanism to a stranger, you know, comes with the inherent risk that they're automatically going to be forming some type of opinion of you. Did you have any type of reaction from friends or family like that? You know, it's interesting. Um, that's a really great question. And what comes to my mind first is that the biggest hurdle for me, and I think probably for you too, honey, was wrapping our minds around it. You know, I told you it took several years of research and really sitting with this to make sure I was comfortable because we do come from a Christian background and we are Christian. And it's, it's really important to understand that it is a spiritual practice. It is not a religion. I feel closer now to my God than ever, than ever before. It's such a beautiful, amazing spiritual practice. And I feel so connected, not only to the divine, but to Mother Earth, to Pachamama, as we call her, and to nature to, and to others around us. That connection is, is just huge. So to answer your question, the pushback, you know, we live in a very conservative Christian area. So, you know, there is some, there's some question when you mention it, but our friends are, are dear enough and they know our hearts and they're open enough where when, when we, you know, we tell them or we talk about it, they're super supportive. And so is our family actually. And they're, they're interested and they want to know, know more. So would you, would you agree? What do you think? Oh yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, for us, for Victoria and I, we, we've been on this journey for a long time and we've always wanted to lead our best lives. And so we're constantly trying to learn and we follow Dave Asprey, who's probably the father of biohacking and all types of other areas in, in the books that we mentioned above. And so from that perspective, yes, I think the biggest hurdle was our own selves 
in in okay. terms of going through that. And I think that also helps us in talking through it now. It's it's not a religion. It is a way of life, and it is a way of connecting with energy. And and so that still probably seems very ambiguous to folks. Sure. But but that that's okay. That's why we're continuing on this journey, and everyone has their own journey, and and that's just what what everyone has to go through. I think a key piece here is another shaman that was out there, Don Miguel Ruiz, had written the four agreements and then the fifth agreement. And the fifth agreement is about being skeptical. Don't believe everything you think. Hmm. Again, don't believe everything you think. And it's about us deprogramming. You know, we have a great foundation. We have great lives. We had great upbringing. But, but it's also we're open. We're open to, to being able to expand and, and realize that there's more than what we were raised believing. Agreed. And, and I think too, us approaching it originally with that fear, we can totally empathize and relate, you know, so if somebody is super, you know, skeptical of it or what the heck is this, I think we can relate to that yep. and that helps. Yep. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't think some of the language which, has really tradi- traditionally been used to describe, you know, shamanism has really helped how it's been accepted. Because even if you go to something like the Oxford English Dictionary, which, you know, is a pretty world-respected source, but it describes a shaman as a person regarded as having access to and influence in the world of good and evil spirits, especially among some people of Northern Asia and North America. Typically, such people enter a trance state during a ritual and practice divination and healing. Now, Ken, is that normally what you do on a Saturday afternoon? Or is that, no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly right. Yeah, they've kind of dove in a little bit that, you know, there's, you know, a little bit of half-truth hidden in every uh, misrepresentation there. But um, right? it's, uh, yeah. it's an unusual way when you get people, you know, you're a curious or you get a kid oh what's a shaman and they look it up and they read that it, it doesn't exactly seem to be going hand in hand with a lot of you know what you're taught in church and you know christianity right. as a whole so it automatically sets up you know some type of prejudice 100 percent agree i you know i hear what you just said and i heard you say good and evil and trance ritual and divination and you know, I hear these words and those, those can be really scary, especially like you said, if you're coming from a God, you know, fearing God and, and, you know, what is, what is all this? And, you know, shamans are, are said to have one foot in the spiritual realm and one foot in the physical realm. Right. And so if we, if we look at what that truly says, as far as good and evil spirits, these are judgments. In our training, we don't, we don't judge the energy. It simply is. It may feel lighter or heavier. And we're trained to do heavy energy clearings. But but labeling energy as good or evil, like, takes me in my mind directly to an episode of Supernatural, right? And battling, like, here comes Dean and, you know, Sam battling demons or something. And that's, that's not the energy medicine that we practice. So we work with vibrations, the energies that are light or heavy, beneficial or non-beneficial. And... And then you get into talking about a trance and the images that that, you know, gets, you know, comes up with in your mind. It's, it's crazy. And it's a trance can simply be a meditative state, right? Or a prayer state. 
so if I'm, we're talking about trances and rituals, like this could seriously be the ritual where I, before a session, before I meet with a client, I go into a meditative prayer state and I set the intention for our session and I clear the space of any non-beneficial energy and bring in the love and light of the healing divine. And so this is the, the trance and the ritual, you know, and then divination, you know, what, what we do is we obtain information. Now there are people who are really skilled at channeling information. And like, so for me, I, I do occasionally receive information during a session clairvoyantly or claircognizantly which is seeing or knowing the information, but I receive most of my information clairsentiently. So this is where I feel it in my body. So as a healer, I may have a client who comes to me with anxiety and um, I can feel, I physically feel the tightness in my chest. And then, so that's where I'm, I'm guided to work and release. And then perhaps I feel a pain in my neck or my shoulders and that's where they've been storing all this tension and stress and energy. So I'm led to, to work there. One thing I, I want to be clear on is that everybody can do this. Everybody can do this. This is not some amazing special power that we were born with. Um, we are all born with this ability um, to sense this information. And many believe that when we are born and when we're young, we're closer to the veil and we're able to sense this information and that as we grow, we forget. And it's kind of trained out of us. So it's really about relearning these skills and developing our intuition and then listening. So honoring our intuition, trusting it, being aware and noticing. That's part of this path. Right. Now you did mention uh, human energy and energy healing. Can you kind of go a little bit deeper into that? Just because uh, now is that actually the same thing as what Reiki or Reiki is? Great questions. Yeah, it, it is. And so kind of the idea behind our, our energy healing is that we all have subtle energy bodies. It's also called luminous energy fields, our auras, you may have heard it called that. Um, we all have these energy fields surrounding us. And as, as shamans or Reiki practitioners, we work with this subtle energy body. And this is not woo-woo. This is actually measured scientifically. It's proven. It exists. And then many believe that all diseases in the body actually start as diseases in this subtle energy field. So for example, um, there could be trapped emotions from a childhood trauma that manifest many, many years later in life as a cancer or another disease in the body. So then bring in Reiki. Reiki is a, another healing modality that uses gentle hands-on healing or distant healing. You can, it's both. They're both equally as uh, effective. So you connect in with the same beautiful healing divine force energy, but where shamanism can be fierce and confrontational, like in your face, it, it kind of forces you to face things head on. It can be, right? It also incorporates many more modalities than the hands-on healing. Um, Reiki is simply a gentle beautiful healing method same energy just a different path and both are equally as powerful and then one thing i might add to that what i find very interesting is the mind body and spirit to boil it down a little bit more i think from a mind body spirit perspective 
there is energy and that is related to your spirit. And so many times in those three areas, we focus on maybe one, maybe, maybe zero, maybe two of those areas. But are you really keeping track of all three of them? And that's what's most important, I think, as we learn so much about shamanism, is being able to balance and focus on the mind, the body, and the spirit, and trying to keep each of them in check and um, in congruency, you know, connected yeah, yeah. and balanced. I, I think that's also another way of being able to just think about it, is yeah. that mind, body, spirit. Great point. Obviously, you mentioned earlier about energy is neither good nor bad. It's just how it's used. Are there people who do use it negatively? I mean, I hate to use the uh, term psychic vampire, people who can actually kind of suck your will to live out of you almost just being around them. Are there people who kind of practice the opposite to the good nature, you know, type of stuff like shamanism, who are, com you know, completely on a more destructive type, path yeah you bet from from what we understand we don't we happen to not know anyone but there are people out there that do take a different approach we were trained and we uh, work only in the light and only in true Christ consciousness and there are others who will take a different path who will venture down um, the darker side of things and it's all based this this work and if anybody is looking for a practitioner, it's all based in integrity and intention. And just make sure you find a practitioner that is heart-centered and you know you can trust. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of weapons out there. And I use weapons very loosely. But, I mean, there's so many different things that people can leverage from actual weapons to energy. And, and mm -hmm. so, yes, unfortunately... If you do have people that are out to hurt others, this is one way of, of being able to do it. Uh, but that's also why it's critical for you to be able to understand how to just manage your own energy so that you can ward off and protect yourself from those that might try to do harm. Even even a simple word, our, our thoughts and our words can be can be used as weapons like that. Those are energetic, those are energy forms. And cursing someone, you know, it's, they, they have power behind them. So great point about, about learning to manage that and, and protect yourself. Absolutely. Yep. So one area I've been interested in uh, for a number of years is chakras and particularly the third eye. Um, but I've never really kind of understood how traditionally the chakras have been important to you know, Eastern religions, Eastern medicine. Could you give a basic overview, really, of what chakras are and how they can be used? Absolutely. So chakras are vortexes of energy in our body. And typically we talk about seven main chakras, and these are energy centers in our body. They align along the spine, and they correspond to major nerve centers in the body. These, these two are scientifically proven. Um, so they start from the base of the spine and they go up to the crown of the head. And then chakras two through our second through our sixth chakra extend out the front and the back of the body. So I'm trying to draw a little bit of a picture here for you. Yeah. This energy in these chakras is considered our vital, um, vital life force energy. And we as healers work with the chakras to clear 
and balance them. They can store things like thoughts, feelings, emotions, experiences, trauma. So we work to clear those and to bring those into balance, which, by the way, you can also learn to sense and to do by yourself. So the first, if we, if we take a look at each of the chakras, I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit about them and where they're located in the body so you can get an idea. Okay. And as I'm talking, you can even put your hand over these areas and, and see if you can sense them, see if you can feel them. You might feel a little heat. You might feel tingling sensation or swirling sensation. Um, so the first three chakras deal with earthly physical matters. We have our first chakra, which is our root chakra. It is typically associated with the color red, and it's located in our pelvis. So if we imagine a vortex coming down from our tailbone or our pelvis and pointing toward the ground, um, that is our root chakra. This deals with safety, survival, grounding, and, um, and nourishment from the earth. Our second chakra is our sacral chakra located in the area, <clears throat> excuse me, of the sacrum, typically associated with the color orange. So if you put your hand just under your belly button, um, you will be over your sacral chakra. And this has to do with emotions, creativity, and sexuality. And again, these are just super basic overview. Third chakra is our solar plexus, and it is located in the area right under our rib cage, typically yellow in color. It symbolizes intellect, personal power, and will. And then we have our fourth chakra. And our fourth chakra is said to serve as a bridge between our body, mind, emotions, and spirit. And that is our heart chakra. So it's located right over our heart, typically green in color. It's connected to love, relating, and compassion. The last three chakras deal with higher consciousness and spirituality. So next, moving up our body, we have our fifth chakra. That is our throat chakra, typically blue in color and located, guess where? Right over our throat. And it deals with self-expression, speaking our truth, and creative expression and communication. Moving on up, we have our third eye chakra, which is our sixth chakra. It's typically purple or deep indigo in color located in the middle of our forehead, just above our eyebrows, and evokes intuition, extrasensory perception, and inner wisdom. And finally, we have our seventh chakra, which is our crown chakra. It is typically white. It's sometimes purple. Located at the very top of our head. And our crown chakra relates to spiritual connection and consciousness. Now, in shamanism, um, and specifically our Peruvian lineage, we also work with an eighth main chakra called the Inca, and it's located directly over our head. And typically white or golden white in color, it's associated with our higher self and direct connection to the divine. Okay. Now, I've that, heard of the phrase... Yeah. Um unbalanced chakras now does that happen because people just concentrate on one or two of the chakras or is that balancing something you have to continually do you know if you're following this kind of path because our chakras store thoughts feelings emotions experiences trauma you know they pick up things they pick up energy we take energy in through them and information in through our chakras and so 
um, throughout the day, they can get unbalanced. So if you're feeling off, you know, one may be heavy, one may be light, one may be, they spin like a vortex, one may be spinning slower. And so, you know, you may feel, for example, if you're trying to speak and your, your words are catching and you just can't get the words, your throat chakra literally may need to be cleared. And it's simply a matter of setting the intention of pulling that information out of your chakra. Chakras typically spin clockwise. And so if we, if we spin our hands over our chakras counterclockwise, that is an intention of clearing that chakra. Yeah, and they start, when we work with the chakras, you typically want to start at the base and work up. So we're starting at your root chakra, working up, and you can balance them the same way. Just make sure they're all, all cleared and, and balanced so they all feel similar. Yeah. Now, I know with um, the third eye, you know, connected to the pineal gland, um, there are certain frequencies and tones. I'm not sure if it's like 933, uh, whatever, but it um, it's supposed to decalcify the pineal gland and therefore, you know, help you activate the third eye more. Are, are frequencies used in, you know, getting the other chakras kind of into action or? Yes, they are. And I will tell you, I am just, I'm just starting to dive into this area. I'm very interested in it as well. So um, like you said about the pineal gland, those frequencies are used to heal that. And I don't have a whole lot more information to offer because I am literally just starting to dive into that. But I'm also starting to use some different frequencies during my, during my healing sessions as well, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, and I would add really quick to that one is that you know, from a pineal gland perspective and thinking about the third eye, one of the one of the things that a lot of people try to do is open that up so that they can really have very lucid uh, dreams and and going through that through that meditation at a wakeful state but in a completely different realm in the grand scheme of things. And I believe that Dr. Joe Dispenza and all the work that he's done related to brain wave and the transition through the beta, the alpha, the theta, and getting into the delta wave to get into that type of state where you are tapping into that pineal gland. And he does it through practice of breathing, meditation, and Kegel exercises to really get the proper juices flowing through your spine to unlock and decalcify your pineal gland in the grand scheme of things. But again, that's, that's kind of an advanced process and, and many people are trying to do that but if you do want to look into that and understand a little bit more I think that Dr. Joe Dispenza again is is a great great resource yeah. in that area okay now could you explain the concept of journeying um, I'd heard that a number of times before I kind of really took the time to read about it but it said um that it's similar to astral projection. Now, are those two the same things or was that just nowhere near the truth? Actually, they're a little bit different. Shamanic journeying, um, it has been used through all traditional cultures. And it allows the shaman to go in or the person who's, who's going in doing the journey to go in and connect with different spirit helper, helpers. And typically you will set some sort of intention or have a reason for taking a journey. And when we journey shamanically, we go to either the lower world, the middle world, or the upper world. So essentially it's a guided meditation that you go on 
and the, and then they allow you time for this journey to obtain this information or maybe release something that needs to be released, have some sort of a healing while you're on this journey. Um, but much more of a guided meditation with intention, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Astral projections or astral travel is, is more of an intentional out-of-body experience. It's similar to lucid dreaming, and it is as opposed to a near-death experience where, where, let's say, you might hover over your body and then travel to another realm after a traumatic experience. Astral travel is intentional. It's where you intend for your subtle energy body to leave your physical body and travel typically to different planes or dimensions. This can really be getting into some deep stuff. It's a little bit more difficult to wrap your head around, but I love the example you use. Do you want to share that? Yeah, I think actually a, a great example is the Doctor Strange, uh, the Marvel comic and the movie itself. And in Doctor Strange, he is trying to seek a way to heal himself. And he goes and finds the Great One, and the Great One jars him gives him a little bump in the chest to allow him to to actually break his astral projection or his the astral cat. yeah body out of his physical, actual yeah. physical body. And he goes on that very lucid dream that has a lot of spectral or fractals and all of that different stuff, which is theoretically a very like version of what one might go through if they go on an astral projection. So I, I think that's actually a good way of being able to see how cinematically they've, yeah, they've done it to, exactly. to kind of replicate what it might be like. Exactly. Okay. Now you've mentioned meditation quite a few times. How much does yoga and meditation play a part in your everyday life in terms of how you prepare for the day, how you sum up the day? Funny, funny you ask that because I have been on a quest now for probably 10 years to try to like yoga <laughs> I want to like yoga so badly and I uh, yes it's I'm so it's an opportunity for me I'm still working on it and I know I need it from a physical perspective for the stretching I've actually started a new program where I'm at least doing 10 minutes a day but it's very uncomfortable for me and I have never actually been taught the spiritual aspect of yoga to really appreciate it it's just a bunch of really uncomfortable positions for me but I'm trying so as far as the meditation piece, that has been completely pivotal in our lives. It's totally transformational. Um, we started regularly meditating, mindfulness meditation in 2017, I think is when we started. 2015 was when I started. Okay, sure between that. 2015 and 2017. In that, in that time frame, we started every day. And it took me from, I, I had debilitating anxiety and depression and brought me out of that without any other medication. And it is a pivotal part of our life every day. We both have, and you can speak for, for your meditation practice, but you know, I know I start my day out with some breath work because breath work is absolutely foundational to a meditation practice. So I work with some breath work and then I do some guided meditation and mindfulness practice. And the other piece I do is meditation has become just, integrated right into our life so throughout the day something might happen and I have different breath techniques that I'll use either I've got a couple that I use that want to wake me up if I'm getting tired and another one if I'm starting to get anxious about something 
you know, calm me right down. There's all sorts of different techniques we can use. So it's awesome to integrate it right into our lives. And I would say just from a meditation perspective, I think it is critical because what you're trying to do from a shaman perspective, or even just thinking about mind, body, and spirit again, is staying in balance. And again, I had mentioned the very first book that I had listened to was 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And it was a really good one because it was very skeptical view. And so it was interesting to see what he was thinking about in the journey that he went through. And he said he was 10% happier. As I've gone through this process, and I look back at it now after five, six years, I will say I'm 200% happier. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy from my perspective because in my line of work as a leader of major programs and transformation, it, it's very critical that in the past, I always thought there was this illusion of control and there is no control. And that's, I think, what allowed me to go through a major transition and allow me to just simply love the ambiguity of life and everything that's coming through is an opportunity to get better. That's the fun part from my perspective. And then all of a sudden those things that pop up that you think might be horrible, it's not, it's just an opportunity. And, and I think from that perspective, it has allowed me to not just be again, 10% happier, but way, way happier in my life because I don't have the stresses, the same stresses that I, that I once had before. It, it totally changes the neural pathways in your brain and your perspective. Yep. It's amazing. Now, in terms of breathing exercises, most people think of, oh, take a deep breath, but surely there must be some variants on that and probably you know some you can give in us example of which you know some of our listeners might be able to benefit from because they need to calm down some of them <laughs> <laughs> awesome i would love to actually i in fact i mentioned two of them that are my favorites and do you guys want me to share those yeah yeah okay cool are you guys ready to be my guinea pigs and try them one of us will just in case it goes wrong <laughs> one of us has to be alive to hit the buttons at the end of the show <laughs> okay. okay so 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 i mentioned um i use one of my favorites is a is a breathing technique that and by the way you mentioned deep breathing very important to breathe down into your belly when you're meditating okay you can get that full breath but this breath technique actually is if you say it's the middle of the afternoon and you're in that slump and by the way, if there's anybody listening to this that might be driving, I do not recommend you do this. Um, these breathing techniques when you're first starting out can make you a little bit lightheaded. So probably sitting down would be best, not driving or operating heavy machinery. <laughs> um, so this, the first one is called stimulating breath or bellows breath, you might hear it. And in the shamanic world, we call it fire breathing. So the way you do it, super easy. You simply breathe in and out through the nose rapidly, um, trying for three in and out cycles per second. Again, this is just through the nose, and this is stimulating our sympathetic system, so our sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system. So when you're first starting out, you, you don't want to go past about 15 seconds. Um, and if you're not able to go the, first, the, the full 15 seconds, don't worry about it. Just do what works for you. And as you progress with this breath, don't go past about a minute without working with a practitioner. So that's about the limit. So between 15 seconds and a minute. So if you guys are up for it, we will try about 15 seconds. Okay. Do you want to 
Sure. Okay. And what it sounds like is, is this, it's, does that sound good? Yep. Okay. All uh, right. Yep. So if you're ready, so I just would recommend maybe sitting up straight, feet on the floor. And if you're comfortable, you're welcome to close your eyes. And Kent, do you want to do it? If oh, I, yep. if I count, awesome. So I'm going to count quietly. And so when you guys are ready, you can go ahead and begin. Okay. And I usually breathe in about two thirds breath and then go ahead and do the oscillating. Oh, you're getting fancy now. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Ready? Okay. Yep. Go. Good. Big breath in and out. Okay. Did you guys try it? Yeah, I think I might need to blow my nose now. <laughs> Hopefully you're feeling warm, stimulated, you know, energetic, ready to go. Right. Any yeah. of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you might be sleeping now. Come on. <laughs> So what's the second okay. one? Go on, give us another okay. one. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this one actually is, um, I call it the tranquilizer breath. And if anybody is dealing with any sort of anxiety or depression, I highly recommend um, Dr. Wild teaches this one. And if you go out to Dr. Wild's website, I think it's drwild.com, and look up the 478 breath, um, he'll, he has a little video and he teaches you how to do this. It is it's life-changing. It made all the difference for me. He recommends actually practicing it first thing in the morning when you get up and right before bed. It takes less than a minute or two. Super simple. And then he says after about two months of regular practice, um, you will notice very significant changes in physiology. And it will get to the point where you can start using it then. If you have an anxious moment during the day, you can use this breath and it calms you right down. That's why I call it the tranquilizer breath. So the way you do this, and it, it, I mean, it is proven to lower heart rate, blood pressure, improve digestion, and then it's super great with anxiety. So the basic technique is to place your tongue on the roof of your mouth behind your teeth. And this is a yogic breathing technique, and it completes an energy circuit. So he wants you to place your tongue up there right behind your teeth on the roof of your mouth. You're going to inhale for four counts through the nose. And I want to emphasize these are counts. These are not seconds. So it's whatever count works for you. And as you, as you practice this, you'll be able to go longer counts. So it's an inhale for four counts. It's a hold for seven. And it's an exhale for eight. And when you exhale, you exhale through the mouth with a whoosh sound. So you're forcefully pushing that air out through your first mouth. So it's a, okay. Okay. Again, I would not recommend this if one is, is driving or operating any heavy machinery. So you guys want to try this one? Yep. Um, awesome. Okay. Let's do, let's do two rounds of this and see how you feel. Okay. So I'm going to count and would you do the breathing? Yep. Awesome. Okay, so again, just make sure you're comfortable, seated, feet on the floor, straight back, and feel free to close your eyes if you'd like. And, so, and tongue. Yep, tongue on the roof of your mouth. You're breathing in through the nose. So ready? Yep. Okay, so 
Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Good. You can take a deep breath. Okay. Okay. How'd that feel? Any better? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to keep up with that count, though. <laughs> oh, was it? Did yeah. I go was I too fast or too slow? No, well, I, d I don't know. It's just like not quite knowing when you were going to switch. I was, uh, you know, getting getting the hang of holding my breath and then getting the hang of letting my breath go. But, oh, okay. you know, you just kept okay. switching awesome. direction quickly there. Um, Got it. Got it. <laughs> now, last so, week, yeah. sorry, mm -hmm. um, last week we had a friend of ours come on the show, May Devi. Uh, she also runs a podcast and she covered a few things, um, you know, when we weren't recording, which kind of have a, you know, quite a strong uh, shamanic connection. And one of the things we did talk about was plant medicine. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very firm believer that, you know, like it says in the Bible about God gave us a plant, you know, basically for every ailment that, you know, nature has provided us with the cures for many things, which officially, you know, we're still trying to <laughs> cure. Now, given another name for a shaman is a medicine man, can you tell us the basics of plant medicine and, you know, perhaps how it relates to prevention and cure and maybe give us some examples? Yeah, and I think, and by the way, that was an awesome uh, podcast. Oh, thank me. you. We, we really enjoyed that one as well. And, and you're correct. It, like you said, in the Bible, it mentions there is a plant for every ailment. And that is very true. There are thousands and thousands of different plants and different ways to be able to pull that medicine together. In the shaman, in the Peruvian shaman, there's really seven main plant medicines. And there's the one that probably gets the most notoriety and, and is probably the most famous is the grandmother spirit named ayahuasca and she is she is said to be the mother spirit of nature that provides guidance and healing to those that work with her and it's absolutely true for those that go through that that process again when you think about it there's herbs there's tinctures there's essential oils there are a ton of different things and even may mentions that you know she, when she was a kid that her mother said, oh, you got to burn, just use that aloe plant. And that's, that's a perfect example. There are all sorts of different medicines that you can use. It's amazing what a dandelion can be used for. It's truly phenomenal. Now, Victoria and I, we don't necessarily work in the plant medicine as deeply as some others, but there are some people that are phenomenal shamans from a plant medicine perspective that can really usher you through amazing events and experiences with different types of, of plant medicines, along with not just those uh, excellent experience, but that prevention and the curing, depending on what type of ailments you may be dealing with. Yeah, and, and I would add a couple of things to that as well. That was, that was great. You can also, as a shaman, work with the spirit of that plant medicine and not necessarily the physical plant itself. So that's another aspect that shamans work with the plant medicine. 
other way. And and the other thing is too, Kat mentioned the ayahuasca, and I know it's kind of becoming a big deal and popular and all this, but this medicine is sacred and it is not to be taken lightly, uh, literally. We work with some plant medicine, you know, folks that we've, we've spoken with and that are world renowned and they will not use this or practice ceremony outside of the Amazon with it. So just to be careful, make sure if it's something that, you know, it's a, a path that you want to, to try to, to go down that you're working with shamans that you trust, again, that are working in integrity and holding that space for you and guiding you through that, that experience because it can be pretty profound. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. It, doesn't it make most people vomit violently? Violently all yeah. night long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's not to be taken too lightly. <laughs> now, exactly. Right. Now, are there any parts of the shamanic journey that you'd still claim, you know, to be very much novices? I know you mentioned, you know, the chakras earlier, but, you know, surely there are some things which you can grasp very quickly, but you can build upon those layers of knowledge and make that experience even more uh, profound, I guess. So, what would you say you feel very much kind of like way out of your depth at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I, I know my answer. What do you, what do you think? Wow. Yeah, that, that is, that is a big question. I think one, one of the things that is very interesting from my perspective is once you start to know something, you realize how much you don't know. That is what's so phenomenal about this journey is as you start to learn and you start to grasp a little bit more of each of those different areas, you start to realize just how much more expansive it is than what our minds can possibly hold. Uh, So when you think about it, there's a lot that we we definitely want to learn a, a ton more in. And I think the other aspect for me is that I went through the process and, and joined um, the the medicine wheel with Victoria because I wanted to grow with her and it has been a phenomenal journey. Now I didn't go into it expecting to practice it afterwards. What I did find my calling to be is to work with those that are trying to stand up their business and trying to help them work through it. So from from that perspective, there is a massive amount that I still want to learn. Mm-hmm. and and would love to be able to go through that process. But for those that are actually practicing, I'll turn it over to Victoria and, and see what she wants to share. Yeah, yeah well, and that's, that's what I was going to say, right? I mean, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. And it is, it, it's so complex and astronomical, all there is to know. And, I mean, if you think about it with the traditional cultures, they spend their entire lives in this work, learning this, um, like you said, you know, experiencing it, that's, that's the best way to learn is just to get in there and experience. So, so my niche has, has really been towards the energy healing, using the Reiki, using the, the shamanic energy healing techniques. Um, but I am so humbled by the work. It is, I learn something new every single time. No experience is ever the same. It is so extraordinary. And, and I feel like I have a lifetime of, of knowledge to still learn, to gain. And I, you know, I love the work and I love to learn. So, you know, keep it coming. But, boy, there's a lot. 
yeah. you know, a lot to that question. Right. So. Now, have um, either of you ever come across anything kind of a little bit dark-natured, energy-wise or spiritual-wise, you know, in anything you've done? Because like with anything involving spirituality, it should really come with a warning label because people start you know, looking for certain experiences and diving into things head first without really kind of, you know, weighing up the consequences of doing things. So can, you know, certain people, as we spoke of earlier, use dark energy to actually, you know, meet you at a place where you're, you know, trying to use good energy? Yeah. And like you said, we, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier with the heavy energy and we try not to, you know, there's, there's no judgment. It's, it's either beneficial or non-beneficial, right? Yeah. Energies that we work with. Again, it's all based in integrity and intention. And there are certainly people who will take it there. Um, I, I would not recommend, especially if the intention was poor, you know, sitting down at a, at a Ouija board or any, anything like that, that could, that could just invite, um, energies that just aren't necessarily beneficial. It is definitely sacred. It's not to be taken lightly. And if you know, if somebody wanted to explore this, I would, I would reach out to a trusted source, find mentors, find elders in that tradition who can teach you the right way to do things. Would you agree? Yeah, and I think I would add to it as well in terms of. What I have found very interesting in this in this path is that there are some people that are way more empathic than others, and those that are very empathic, those that that really take on other people's energy, and like you said, the vampire earlier can just drain you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there is definitely that aspect, and if you are known to be very sensitive to everyone else's energy. And you feel it when you go to a store, a grocery store, and you feel like you picked up a whole bunch of crap when you walked in there. That's where I think it's so critical to figure out how to learn how to manage your energy. And and that's one of the cool things that Victoria offers is something that allows you to be able to manage your energy field, even put up protection, a shield that will allow you to protect yourself especially for those that are the most vulnerable in terms of those empathic uh, folks that are out there. And so, and and that's okay. Empathic is a beautiful thing because it allows you to connect with so many things, but it also means that sometimes you take on a bunch of things that you don't necessarily want to. So it would just be advice. Yes, there are people out there that don't even mean to necessarily do that. And there's, some that do and and so being able to just protect yourself and then recognize when something comes up and you feel like you have picked something up being able to 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 clear that Mm -hmm. and and be able to walk right through it is is i think key is this something you wish you'd have found out earlier on in life or do you think the timing was kind of perfect for where you were at and you probably needed to be at that particular point otherwise you maybe wouldn't have accepted or appreciated it yeah i think in this situation it happens exactly how it needs to happen. And obviously, if I think to myself, sure, I'd love to have the knowledge as a 20-year-old that I have right now, but I wouldn't have understood my life Like at 20. Like I wasn't ready for that. That's just like, remember back in college, I tried to read Deepak 
yeah. um, seven laws of spiritual success. It was like reading a foreign language. And yet now he's one of our favorite teachers yeah, and spiritual guides, you know, gurus. So um, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it's, it's, if there's anything we've learned through this, it's divine timing and everything happens as it needs to. Your path unfolds in front of you as it needs to. When the pupil so, is ready, yeah, the teacher will arrive. I will appear. You got yep. it. Okay. Now, before we kind of finish tonight, I did want to give you both a chance, um, you know, to reach out to any of the listeners who may have any further questions for you. Um, also, I know you have a bunch of stuff surrounding this topic in your life, which I want to give you, you know, an opportunity to explain. But yeah, if you want to give out any information, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, thank you. So. So we have a website, um, naturalpathenergy.com. So they can they can check us out there, and that will also link us to link them to our Facebook, um, Instagram. I also have just started an Insight Timer page. So if anybody is interested in learning a little bit more about meditation, I've got some free meditations out on the Insight Timer app, and you can access those from there as well. Um, if you are interested in any sort of coaching or maybe ready to go down this path and, and start some healing work, that is Kent's specialty. And you can reach him through our website as well. And otherwise, healing, meditation, or if you just need some guidance and are, are interested in learning more, please feel free to reach out to us. And I am going to be offering some um, online meditation courses. And some online, um, Kat was talking about the energy management and how important that is, some basic energy management classes as well coming up um, this summer. So those will be those will be coming. And, and by the way, I don't know if we've mentioned, but all of this work can be done distantly. Everything is energy, and therefore it's all, it's, it's pretty profound what can happen right. um, with our distant work. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate having you on. It was a privilege. And that will end today's episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.